Okay, uh, glad you're here this morning. Uh, I'm going to be uh, teaching. I want to do this more of a teaching session than it would be a uh, preaching session. Uh, we're going to be talking about time this morning. Uh, Pastor Keith has uh, started a series that we're in the middle of. Uh, it speaks about where are we? Where are we in time? Uh, this uh, actual message this morning, uh, with me being here doing this, this is actually pre-planned. This is, has nothing to do uh, with the coronavirus or the uh, quarantines or anything like this. This has been pre-planned for at least about eight weeks. Uh, that right in the middle of this series that Pastor Keith has been preaching, uh, about where are we in time, uh, we're going to stop for a moment this morning and look at what is time. Uh, we're going to be uh, uh, trying to study uh, time, uh, the physics of it. Uh, I, I, would, I, I want you all to bear with me this morning uh, because I will be uh, using some uh, physics. Uh, one of the most fascinating things I've ever studied in a life other than the Bible is physics. Actually, the reason why I study physics is because I try to put a, well, I don't try, I do put the biblical perspective into physics. So uh, we're going to be looking at some of that this morning. <clears throat> I've actually changed up my whole lineup since 5 o'clock this morning. So y'all please bear with me. I have been studying this for a long time. I have, uh, uh, my mind has been wrecked with physics in the last few weeks. Uh, I haven't slept. I can't sleep at night. Uh, physics is running through my head. I didn't sleep good last night. Uh, it's it's kind of weird that when you, right before you get up, you'll actually go to sleep, and then, when, and then 30 minutes later you're supposed to get up. Now you don't want to get up because you ain't slept all night. That actually happened to me last night, and at 5 o'clock this morning when my phone went off, I hit the snooze button, and I took 10 more minutes. In the process of that 10 minutes, I had a dream. And in that dream, I dreamed that I was going to take my exam on physics. And when I got there to receive my exam, my instructor said to me, you know you don't have to do this. And I woke up relieved. I don't have to do this. So I'm going to spare you all this morning of a lot of the physics. Okay? We're going to just look at the other because if I tried to do all of it anyway, I'd run out of time. We're studying on time and I'd run out of time. Because time has got a beginning and an end. And uh, I have a beginning and an end and i got to do it on time. Y'all with me? So we're going to look at some of that. But I wanted to make sure that you understood that this was a pre-planned uh, part that we're going through this morning. Uh, we're going to be looking at time. Uh, we're scrambling to get the screen working. I hope we do because uh, that helps me out a whole lot. Uh, but if we don't, we're going to get through this, okay? Uh, but I do want you to understand, though, that uh, I have been studying end-time events since 1994. Uh, I've been studying physics in the last four years. Uh, trying to put everything together with it. And uh, one thing that I have realized in the last couple of weeks, out of all those studies and all those sermons and everything I have to do at the end time, Pastor Keith, your pastor, my pastor, has been teaching 
the most understandable process of end time sermons I have ever heard in my life. If it's, it's, he's breaking it down so that we can understand it. And I want to thank him for that. And uh, I just want y'all to understand that, that he has given y'all a real good job of this, okay? Uh, so we're going to get started this morning. Uh, what is time? What is time? Well, let's look at, I want to look at one small scripture this morning that's going to break it down for you. And this is words that come out of Jesus' mouth himself, okay? And he was talking to disciples in John chapter 7, verse 6. It says in our... Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but yours is always ready. He said, My time has not yet come, but yours is always ready. Now we're going to be looking at time and we're going to be looking at eternity. And I want to make sure you understand this morning that eternity is outside of time. Eternity has nothing to do with time. A lot of people think that eternity, and we're going to discuss that in a few moments, that eternity is just a lot of time. It has nothing to do with time. But the eternal one comes from outside of the ancient of times, and we're going to look at a scripture of that. And he created time because he created everything that was ever made or created, and we're going to look at that scripture in a few moments. But we're going to understand that he is the beginning of time, and he will be the end of time. As we know it. Y'all with me so far? That Jesus is that one. And that's why he said, my time has not yet come. When he was brought into time, born of a virgin, lived a life as you and I here on earth. And in that time, he said, my time has not yet come, but yours is always ready. Because he, his time has not yet come because he has to finished time y'all with me so far but he said your time is always ready now I want to break that down right here at the beginning for, so if I run out of time I, don't, I make sure that you don't miss the point of this okay <clears throat> and that is your time is always ready that means two things one of those is is that your time is always ready depends on it, 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 it's the same whether you've been born again or not if you've been born again, if you're already a born-again believer, this is still your time. Your time is always ready. Your time is always ready to do what? Live for Him. That's your time. That's what you're here for. And you can live for Him, right? Pastor Keith has been preaching on this. And that's what your time is. If you haven't been born again, then your time is always ready to be born again. There's not a specific time. It's up to you. You can be born again at any time. Your time is always ready. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. He's outside of time. He, will, he began time. He will finish time. But your time is always ready. Y'all with me? Now, I've had people with, with, with me doing a lot of end time studies and a lot of end time teaching I've had this question brought up to me and people was asked me if you knew that Jesus was coming tomorrow what would you do today now we know that uh, nobody knows the day or the hour but just 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 to put it in perspective they asked me what would I do if I knew today that Jesus was coming tomorrow you know what I told them I'd go plant a tree 
And the first thing they do, they look at me like I need a drink. Right? They think that's the stupidest thing I ever heard of. He come tomorrow, trees takes a long time to grow. Why would you plant a tree? Let me tell you why. That's what I do. I'm a tree farmer. I plant trees. In other words, what I'm telling them is, I'm going to keep doing what I'm supposed to do until he comes again. Even if it's something that's going to take longer than the time that's involved between now and the time he comes again, it doesn't matter. And we just lost all power. And praise God for that. But the screen is working. Well, it is up yonder. All right, so this is what happened. We are going to spare y'all the looks of looking at me. And I'm going to read it off that screen up there. If they're still able to, here comes a light, Lord, help us. <laughs> Does that demon not know I'm... <laughs> Woo, here we go. <laughs> but my screen is working. That's the main thing, right? Okay, here we go. Uh, the next slide. Time is both a dimension and a physical property. We still don't have it up there. Okay, so now, it's the fourth dimension. I have it on the outline here. Uh, and I have it written down as it is the fourth dimension and a physical property. Now, in the process of physics, we realize that the fourth dimension is not time. The fourth dimension is actually the movement of a three-dimensional object. The movement of that is the fourth dimension. But the movement of it in involves time because time involves mass, acceleration, and gravity. And that is part of it. But it, uh, uh, I, along with some other physics, wants to only put time as a physical property, not as a dimension. But it sticks to be as a dimension because it is measurable, but it's a different kind of measurable. And we're going to look at that in a few moments. Um, and it is a physical property. A physical prop in physics, a physical property or physical system uh, is a property that is measurable whose value describes the state of a physical system. So whatever's within the system, the, the, uh, it's the uh, measurable property of that that's within it. The physical system is a portion of any physical universe chosen for analysis. Everything outside the system is known as the environment. The environment is ignored except for the effects on the system. Okay, so what that means is it depends on what part of time you're in of how the physical property of it works. So time works different here on earth than it does in space. You have space time. And it all has to do, and it depends on where you're at, what's the environment of, which is that whichever is the enclosed system. And we're going to look at that in a few moments when we look at time dilation. Uh, and the best way to, to do it is it gets the Doppler effect. And you might understand what Doppler is, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But what happens is there is a, a physical property <clears throat> that's involved with the environment of whatever physical system that you happen to be in. Okay, so it all changes different. Time is measured uh, here on Earth uh, by two atomic clocks. Now, before I get into atomic clocks, I want you to understand that time was actually put into a measurement back in Nimrod's day. 
Nimrod is back in that Genesis 11 type time frame. That's who Nimrod was the first world dictator. Uh, he is actually, uh, Pastor Keith is going to be speaking later on uh, in the next few um, uh, series. Uh, has to do with the Antichrist, has to do with the seven-year period of tribulation, it has to do with a thousand-year reign, then it has to do with eternity. And uh, we'll talk about a little bit of that this morning, but I'm going to leave it up to Pastor Keith uh, to explain the rest of it. And I know he's listening, and he probably just said, thank you for that, and I say, you're very welcome. Uh, I'm going to let him do all of that. But within that uh, time frame, they actually used 360, and that's why in your GPS uh, system it is used in degrees and, is, and it all formulates for 360 degrees uh, that has a circle and so all the multiples thereof of a clock has to work with the 360 to make the revolution now we're going to look at in a few moments how time is linear it's not linear uh, linear means it's straight linear means it revolves and that uh, time is not not limited to uh, that aspect of physics and we will look at that uh, in a few moments, but I wanted to let you know that uh, it all has to do with acceleration and speed uh, with mass and gravity, and we'll look at that also in a few moments. Those two clocks uh, that keeps up with the atom uh, atomic, uh, atomic clocks, and it all has to do with the um, breaking down of the multiples of 360. That's why your clock has 12 numbers. That's a multiple of 360. Then you do two of them, which makes uh, 24 hours, and it's done with two of them, one representing day, one representing night, and it all works out. Uh, they all represent in multiples of each other. You have a 60 seconds in a minute, 60 minutes in an hour, and those were laid out in order for them to fit. And it's all multiples of 360, y'all with me so far. Y'all looking at me like I need a drink, but I'm trying to let you know how this works. Now, I want you to understand this morning that why I'm telling you all of this is I'm not just trying to give you a lesson in physics, but I want you to understand, just in case I don't remember to uh, uh, do this later on, is for you to understand that God is smarter than the average buyer. He is the best mathematician. He's the best physicist. He is the creator of physics. If you ever wanted to study something that will literally blow your mind, study physics. It'll keep you up at night. <laughs> I'm telling you, this is some good stuff. And all it is to me is, it is proves to me the awesomeness of who God is because he is the creator of it. And all these laws of physics was created with a, a direct, perfect design made from God, okay? So these two atomic clocks, one is in Greenwich, England. It's at the Royal Observatory. It's like 80 feet above sea level. The second one is in uh, the National Institute of Science and Technologies, which is in Boulder, Colorado, and it's 5,400 feet above sea level. And the reason for that is because, and we're going to look at it in a few moments of, the, of the, the, the laws of physics of how that works because the gravitational pull and the area of which you're in affects your time tremendously, okay? There's very few variances in between, but there are variances. 
In other words, if you, it depends on where you're located on earth, depends on what time frame you're in, depends on your mass and the environment that you're around and the elevation that you're at and the speed that you're going to what time it is. All that is being calculated. And if you pull out your cell phone right now and look at the time, all that I just talked about is all being done and taken care of for you through 24 different satellites that's been put in orbit all around the earth in order for you to have that luxury. That's all there. And there's a whole lot to it. We're going to look at a Doppler effect in a few moments. And then when the, when the weatherman gets to talking about some of this stuff, maybe you'll understand what he's talking about. There's a whole lot goes into it. And all this stuff, it ain't because of the smartness of man. It's the smartness of God that revealed it to man. Y'all with me? This is some good stuff, folks. I'm just telling you. <clears throat> so let's look at the... We, we still don't have it up there. Let's look at... Uh, um, my next point is eternity or eternal is in the Bible 47 times in 47 verses. All but two of those speak of eternal life that you have through God, through the Spirit, through Jesus. That's what uh, 45 of those 47 are speaking of. The other two speaks of eternal damnation. So eternity, eternity is outside of time, and I'm going to look at that in a little bit moment. But I want you to understand that that the... That, that, the part of the eternal part that's spoken of in the Bible, 45 of them is spoken about you have an eternal life through God, through Jesus, through the Spirit. Two of them talks about eternal damnation because there's only two places. You either, you either spend eternity with God or you spend eternity in a place called hell. And that's the only two you got. There's only two fathers in this world to follow. The father of truth and the father of the lie. And if you, ain't father, if you ain't following God through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of the Holy Spirit, then you're following the devil whether you believe it or not. And I don't care what you believe, what you think, or how you feel. It does not change or alter the truth. Y'all with me? Woo. The Bible is all about time. Genesis 1 is the beginning of time, right? In the beginning. In fact, if you, if you can get by the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning, God, the rest of the Bible ought to be a breeze. If you can't understand or get past the first four letters, then you don't need to study the rest of it. And then there's going to be an end of it. We're going to look at it in a few moments in Revelation chapter 22. The whole Bible that you hold in your hand is all about time. But it also explains to us within the area of time that there's going to be a, time, a part called eternal Eternity uh, is, is not just a, a place that has a whole lot of time. God is in eternity. Why? God is eternal. Uh, 1 Timothy 1, 17, Deuteronomy 33, 27. Those tell you that God is an eternal. He is an eternal God. He is outside of time. Eternity is infinite. We still ain't got far. Eternity is infinite, meaning that it is endless. And that includes both ways. Okay, so we're going to read a scripture here in a few moments. In Isaiah, that talks about how God comes from the uh, ancient of times. Now, when he, when he talks about that, I want you to understand before I read it, that the ancient of times is referring to eternity. It's, it's referring to the eternity before time began. Um, uh, God is not limited to time because he is 
outside of time. Y'all with me? And so that ancient of time leads to that. And we're going we're gonna to look at it in a few moments. Uh, and, and I'm going to uh, reference to Ephesians 1, 4 uh, that has to do with that. <clears throat> Let's read Isaiah uh, 46, 10. Uh, it says, declaring, this is God speaking, it declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient of time the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do my pleasure. What does that mean? That means from outside of time, God has already designated time. There's a designated space of time. No man knows that day or the hour, but God and the Father and the and the, uh, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit does. Now, you might want to say, well, I remember part in the Bible where Jesus was talking to him, and he said, no one knows, knows the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, not even the Son. Now, that bothered me when I read that. So I had to go do some studying. That. You mean there's something that Jesus doesn't know? That gave me a problem. It really did. The creator of everything, he didn't know. That was at that time because he was still put in time. But now we know that Jesus does know. How do we know? The very first verse of the book of Revelation. The revelation that God gave unto his son that gave unto the angel to give to John. Jesus now knows the book of Revelation was written by Jesus himself. Y'all with me? Y'all need to know that. So in before the beginning of time, and we understand this from Ephesians 1, 4, that God knew us and he chose us in him before time was ever made or created. In other words, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all got together and said, when we create this, this is what they're going to do. This is how they're going to mess up. And when they do, we got to redeem them. Are you... Are you Willing to be the redeemer. This is basically what that's saying. And what the scriptures tells us is Jesus said, I'm willing to do the will of the Father because we love you and me that much. You know with me? Okay. I wanted, you to, I wanted to get all of that out so that you understand the meaning of all this time uh, before I start getting in uh, to a lot of this. So what about time? Time is limited to and by mass acceleration and gravity. God is not limited to or by either one of those, which in turn declares the eternal being that God is not within time. God is not limited to mass. He's not limited to acceleration, and he's not limited to gravity. And we're going to talk about how when Jesus was resurrected, he was then translated into ten dimensions to where he is not then limited to gravity. He's also not limited to mass, and he was in 10 dimensions, and that's why he was able to move a massive body through a wall without changing the mass. Now, you might just want to say, you are getting out there. Yes, I'm getting out there because it's God's physics, and it works. And it doesn't matter if we believe it or know it or whatever. It works. And the beauty of it is we're going to look at a few moments, and we're going to be like that too. <laughs> Yo, with me? That's going to be pretty good stuff. So, God is not limited to those which in, uh, either, uh, by either of those that declares his eternal being. So, he is outside of time because that's the limitations of time. So, that all proves that. 
So where are we in time? And why? Time is finite, meaning having a, a limited nature or existence. Mass tells space how to move. Space tells mass how to curve. And what does that mean? It all has to do with time and it has to do with the dilation of time. And we're going to look at that in a moment. I have a scientific understanding of the dilation of time. Uh, what happens, I've asked this question before, and I've even asked it in physics, and I've now looked it up in physics, and it really did not give me the answer I wanted to hear. That is, what happens when something that is unstoppable runs up on something that's immovable? Have y'all ever thought about that? Have y'all ever asked that question? What happens when something that can't be stopped runs up on something that can't be moved? It goes through it. And you're like, what in the world are you talking about? Well, that all has to do with quantum mechanics. It was actually quantum theory up until the 70s, and then we get quantum mechanics. One of the things in understanding or reading and, 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 and studying physics is one of the things I learned, Albert Einstein was a brilliant feller. That was a smart man. But I'm going to tell you, he got his smarts from God. Right? God is the creator of all this. Albert Einstein only had it in, uh, in, in theory. It didn't become mechanics until after his death, and he never got to see the mechanics of it. means that it proved it through a measurement a way of measuring, and it all has to do with, with photons, protons, electrons, and neutrons. And then it also has to do with mass. It's not just a mass, but it's also a wave. And uh, that all has to do with time because of the way you set out time waves or whenever they hit something, how they curve around it, how they move around it, or whatever, and then, re and then return back. And we're going to look at that in a few moments. And it all has to do with that, and it all has to do with time, and that's why time is a physical property, because time varies depending on the situation that you're in. So, in the, so the reason why those atomic clocks were that, one is at low sea level, the other one is way above sea level, and each one of those times variances between each other, and then those, time, those two talk to one another through 24 different satellites to receive the correct time to send it to your GPS on your phone to tell you where you are in time. Y'all with me? It's, it's, it's amazing if you really get in there and study some of this stuff. It's amazing how it works. Um, and and uh, GPS is an a amazing little critter. I really like it. I really don't have time to go through some, but I've got some electronics on my boat when I go bass fishing that has to do with GPS. It also has to do with radar. It has to do with sending out those waves. I have a side scan on my boat. That side scan takes a three-dimensional object, puts it on a two-dimensional screen. Then I tend to be able to use that uh, physics of that GPS monitoring system on my boat correctly, I have to know how it works in my head so I can look at that two-dimensional screen and in my mind put it into a three-dimensional screen in order to make it work. So if you want to be good in bass fishing, you better learn physics. Or the guys that is learning it is outdoing me and I do not like that. Y'all with me? <laughs> I throw that out for free. So anyway, all of this uh, and, and like I say, I want to make sure I alliterate all that, that God is the creator of physics, and he is smarter than the average buyer.
Right? Y'all with me? All right, so let's look at this uh, next one. Thermal decay. Thermal decay is one of the physics that, uh, that states that heat travels to cold. This means that the universe is finite. It's not infinite because it has a beginning and an end. So with thermal decay, the, the, the property of thermal decay within the physics, the physical system of it, and we're going to look at how it all has to do with that physical system that's being measured, with the outside being our environment and all that, and all that works together. But in, and that means heat travels to cold, and that gives us an understanding that time, even in the universe, is finite. It has a beginning, and it has an end. It is a law of physics that teaches us that. Let me give you an a, uh, experiment at home to show you what I'm talking about. Go home, if you've got a cast iron skillet, go home and take a cast iron skillet, put it on the stove, and start heating it up. Let it get hot enough. It's hot enough. It'd be hot enough to, to water will boil in it or an egg will start frying in it, but it hasn't, it hasn't got the handle hot yet, okay? Y'all get to that point, right? It's pretty hot, but the handle isn't quite hot yet. Take it over to the sink, run cold water in it, let it start boiling off. That heat's going to travel up that handle, and it's going to get so hot you can't hold it, just like that. Heat travels to cold. That's just an experiment that proves the part of thermodynamics. Now, why are we going through all that? Because the second law of thermodynamics is a law called entropy. Okay? Entropy is the second law um, of uh, thermodynamics, and it states that uh, as one goes forward in time, the net entropy, and that is the degree of disorder of any isolated or closed system, always increases. So that law, uh, the second law of entropy and thermodynamics actually means this. The level of disorder in the universe is steadily increasing. And with the law of that and with the part of thermodynamics of entropy, which means it goes from order to disorder, not disorder to order. And in the process of doing that, it's actually stretching time like a rubber band that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. And what that does is, that is, that is, is stretching the part of it, and um, uh, it goes to disorder. And the disorder of it increases. It never decreases within that, that system. That system being our universe. God created everything that's ever been made or created. I want you to understand that. That includes the universe. That includes the Milky Way. That includes whatever. Now, here's my theory of this. I want y'all to, to understand that this is my theory. I've never heard nobody else say this. This is my theory only. My theory would not become a mechanic until after the end of time. After the end of time, mine will become a mechanic. And then if it does become mechanic, and my theory was correct, then we'll do it in eternity, and maybe God will allow me just to give you a wink. Okay? But that theory is... You know we have three heavens. The first heaven is the atmosphere. The second heaven is what we call space. Those heavens are restricted to time because we have time here and we have what's called space-time and a time warp which happens in space and then that the heavens are stretched. And we're going to look at uh, some scriptures in a moment about that. And what happens is 
that all has involved with time. Where's God? He's in eternity. He's outside of time. He's outside of our universe. Where would that be? Behind the black holes. My theory is heaven is behind the black holes. Why? Because Jesus told the Pharisees, he told the people at time, he said, where I go, you cannot come. And they said, who are you? you ain't, ain't, ain't he the, the son of Joseph, the, the little carpenter over in Nazareth? Who is he that he can go somewhere that I can't go? Because you can't go behind the black hole. You will be crushed. Gravity pull is so hard. After you hit the event horizon, then within that, it is so, it is so massive that the earth will be brought down to the size of an orange. That's how massive the gravity pull is. Once you cross over the event horizon and go into a black hole, you'll be crushed. You cannot pass through a black hole. And that's where heaven is. Because God is where you can't come. But God's going to take me there. Y'all with me? I'm going I'm to bust one of them black holes wide open. And I'm going to wink the whole time. I think I, think I throw that out for free. All right, so let's get, let, let, let me give you a, another household example of what I'm talking about by entropy. Entropy means that it goes from order to disorder. You never go from disorder to order. Let me give you another household experiment with that. Go home. If you've, never, if you've built a new house and done it, you probably have already done it. But if you haven't done it, uh, go home and do it. And then watch this experiment to see if what I'm telling you is not true. Go to look at a, at a closet. You get a brand new house, whatever, and you get a closet, and you carry all, you hang all your clothes in there, and you put your shoes in a certain place, and boy, you got this closet. It's all perfect, right? Go home and look at it now. If it is still perfectly ordered, that means you had to constantly stay putting it in order. It did not go to order on its own. All right, so now if you don't want to believe me in that, then go home and take another closet, clutter it all up, close the door, come back two years from now, and see if everything's in order. It will not be in order. In fact, it'll be even further in disorder because the paint's going to start peeling, your shoes is going to start dry rotting, your clothes might even get moss in it. I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. You see what I'm saying? The law of entropy, it goes from order to disorder. That proves creation. That proves the laws of physics that God set in place that time is finite. It has a beginning and it has an end. And when it comes to end, it will be disorder in the end because it will be destroyed. Y'all with me? I mean, that, that's pretty simple. I do not understand how a, a physicist, how a scientist that understands the laws of physics and the laws of entropy through thermal decay can ever believe in evolution. It does not work. Y'all with me? That is the perfect thing to give to anyone with that understanding, if you want to rebuttal uh, to that. So here we go. Yes, sir. Um, 
I would like to give everyone the, what he just said. I'm not, but the answer to that is uh, the only way you can do it is you have to stay on it all the time because it will not do it on its own. You know, that's, that's that law of entropy. Uh, it has to be interfered with. It will not do it <clears throat> on its own. And, and, and since, since it's brought up, let, let me just throw this out. I don't have it in your outlines. I don't have it in here. But let, but let, let me give you uh, uh, a, another example of that is that this, this law, with it all going into disorder or whatever, it's all a result of sin. Okay? So whenever the earth, that's why when, when Pastor Keith was been teaching about uh, the 70 weeks of Daniel, how in the beginning it was a 360-day year. We have 365 days a year now, and I'm going to actually talk about that more. That has to do with the stretching of time. <clears throat> actually, the days now are longer than they were then. It was all set up with 360 being a complete uh, 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 circle and dilation of that. 360 and everything be multiples of and it even works with the days of the years and how much time it takes to go uh, around the earth so anyway it all has to do with that laws of entropy those were all introduced when uh, uh, we had the flood of Noah and it all has to do with the result of sin okay sin is what leads order God created everything perfectly y'all with me God created the perfect earth we will go back to a perfect earth, right? But right now we're having to deal with the results of sin, and the results of sin is what has caused the laws of entropy, okay? So now, I just want to tell you all that so that you understand that this physics with this time and this time frame, it all is infinite. We have a, a, a beginning and an end. Uh, <clears throat> the uh, next out, part of the outline, time is linear, uh, meaning that it has... Uh, a beginning and an end, and I draw the line in there, and you see on your outline, I had a four slash in the line. It just needs that, that it's linear. It's not linear. Your next outlet, point of the outline is telling you that time is not linear. It does not revolve. Time goes straight. The measurement of time has to do with revolution, but time itself is not revolution. In other words, what I'm trying to say to you is it's infinite, I mean, it's, it's finite because it has a beginning and an end, so it has a straight. It's not that. If you had a circle, <clears throat> it's just like what it measures on uh, the signifying of the, of the wedding ring and everything with the circle. You know, it's, that's supposed to be like infinite, right? It just keeps going and going and going, right? But time is not linear. It's linear, meaning that it has a uh, beginning and an end. And I'm going somewhere with this, and I got time. Right now, as I was running out of time, speaking of time, I think I still got time. Y'all got time? All right, here we go. <clears throat> so that point on your outline, time is not linear, meaning re related uh, to revolution, because it expands. It expands, and I put in there in parentheses, like a rubber band, just to kind of give you an understanding of that. That is called time dilation. Now, I wrote this down. Uh, uh, I typed it up so that I would not misquote this to you, and I'm going to read it to you. Time dilation, this is the, the uh, definition of time dilation, is a difference in the elapsed time measured by two clocks. Now, uh, the specific time of clock is those two atomic clocks I'm talking about, but you can just use an experiment with two clocks. You can use uh, a time clock over here and a watch or whatever. 
it doesn't matter which two clocks you're using, but it is the time measured with two clocks, either due to them having a velocity relative to each other that has to do with the acceleration part, okay? Uh, that's, that uh, either due to them having that with each other or there being a gravitational potential difference between their locations. So what that's telling you is that a clock is sitting here on the bottom of this stage and a clock that's on top of that roof is going to give you two separate times. That's why, it ha that's why our atomic clocks is set at sea level and way up high so that them two can relate to one another from a high time to a low time to where you are in your GPS time of what the elevation that you're at to about what time you're at. And this has all been proven, okay? So I'm, 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 this is part of physics of how time works. Uh, <clears throat> after compensating for vary, varying signal delays due to the changing distance between an observer and a moving clock, that gives you what we call the Doppler effect. I'll talk about that in a minute. The observer will measure the moving clock as ticking slower than a clock that is at rest with the observer's own reference frame. So it depends on where you're at to how fast your time is. And your time can be the same time in different times. And you're like, what in the world did this idiot just say? Time is, is measured by, by mass, your mass, this is mass, chairs is mass, whatever. By that mass with the acceleration under gravitational pull. That's how time is measured, okay? The dilation of that time depends on which location you're at because two of you joined in different. Trying to put my finger where I'm at. <laughs> Let me give you a little example on that. Right now, at our location, we are somewhere right now, that's east, that's west, we are traveling this way. And we're doing that at our location right now, somewhere around 1,066 miles per hour. So right now, while you're sitting in that chair, sitting still, you're running 1,066 miles an hour that way. That way, you're running 165,000 miles per hour. That way is when we're doing, while we're rotating around the sun, that way is, is when we're rotating around the earth. So we're going two directions. You're sitting still, going two directions. One of them at 1,066 miles an hour, and the other at 165,000 miles per hour. Them dragsters I like to go watch ain't got a, got a, nothing on that, right? And I'm sitting still. But guess what I have? I don't have a G-force. Y'all heard of G-force? Right now, sitting still, you don't have a G-force. But if you accelerate in one of them race cars, the, the uh, National Hot Rod Association has them rear and dragsters. They are now running 13,000 horsepower in those motors. Them motors have so much horsepower in them, they can't make but a quarter-mile run. In fact, they start tearing up before they even make that quarter-mile run. And the parachutes go ahead and start coming out so they can get them slowed down. From a zero stop for a quarter mile, they are turning up to 329 miles per hour. Like that. Them folks is pulling a G6. A G6 in them race cars. 
If you ever get a chance to go to a National Hot Rod Association drag race, you ought to go to one of them and go back in the pits and tell them why they do what's called a throttle whack of one of them cars. It will shake your ground. I'm telling you, them are bad boys. And I love it. <laughs> I love the acceleration. Y'all with me? But they ain't got a light on all of that. That's how G-force works. So when you start moving and you start getting a G-force, now you are moving in a different spot of time than someone that's sitting still. And that's the observers of two different areas, two different clocks, two different measurements. Y'all with me? That's kind of a best illustration, one of the best illustrations I, I can give you on that. Let's read the rest of this part. A clock that is close to the massive body and which therefore has a lower gravitational potential will record less elapsed time than a clock situated further from the said massive body in which it is higher gravitational potential. Now let's break that down. If you're at the, if, if, if the earth is round, right? Jesus even told the people in his time that the earth was round and it went right over their heads. Why? If you remember, Jesus told him, he said, he said there'll, be, there'll be two in the field working. One will be taken, one will be left. There'll be two women at the, at the grinder. One will be taken, one will be left. If they'd have known the time to watch, but the watchman, one will be taken, one will be left. What did he do? He covered three areas of the day, from the morning to the afternoon to the night for one event. He just told them the world was round. And it said, why? They weren't ready yet. Right? So, I'm telling you, all of this has to do with uh, if you're at, if you're in the with that serve, if you're at the equator, you got the longest distance to go. Your speed is a whole lot faster than one at the North Pole. The one at the North Pole, your time is just barely moving. And the one at the equator, you getting it. Same people on the same earth. We're the same gravitational pull. But it depends on what part of the gravitational pull of how high you are to which one it matters to. That's all the law of that physics I'm going to give you. Now, let's look at the Doppler effect. We're going to part between the moving clock or whatever uh, with the Doppler effect. I want to tell you this this morning just so that you can get an understanding. God, I want to let you know right quick, God is the one who created this effect. He is the one who created this physics. He gives the understanding and the knowledge to man. It's a, it, it is a treasure. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the treasure of kings to search it out. It's the treasure of mankind to search out, search out the physics of God. That's basically what that's saying. The Doppler effect that has to do with that time and time dilation in the part of a, of a stationary observer to one that's moving this way real fast, one moving that way real fast, but you're also stationary that's sending out a wave to be bounced back in that said situation or that said environment that gives you the acceleration of the speed that gives you the time. Okay? So now they use that effect, and it's called Doppler effect. And you might know it when you watch TV sometime when we're having the tornadoes and we're having storms, and that our meteorologist is using the Doppler radar. So what that does is it sends a signal out, and it measures the time of that wave or the speed of that wave, depending on where that wave is located, in order to get the correct speed of that wave. Talk with 24 satellites, talk to those two atomic clocks, going back to that radar just like that to let you know that this storm is over here. 
Uh, once it does that, now it's starting to measure within that. And it's picking up raindrops, hail, whatever. It's picking up within the storm of parts that's going away from the radar to ones that's coming to the radar. So it depends on what time of day you're at and where you're at located in time to the speed that you're traveling. Because in the morning time, when the, when, when you, because you're traveling that way, with the sun comes this way, you're traveling at a different speed than you are when the sun's going down. You're saying, what in the world are you talking about? I ain't got time to go over it. We're running out of time. But you need to go, you can go study it. Okay, it, it all works. And it works with this Doppler effect that has to do with going away and coming back. That is what lets you know that there's a tornado within that system because it has rotation. Part of it going away, part of it coming back. The speed of that going is what comes back to that radar to give you the understanding of how it's working of that there's rotation within it. Also, is it not just giving you that rotation through those waves that's coming in, that's going to them clocks, that's coming back to your GPS of whatever system they're in to let them know what it's doing. It's also telling you how fast that storm's going by each time it pings it. It's also doing another time frame from how long it was by the time it pinged it to it pinged it again in that time frame to let you know how fast it's moving. And therefore, the meteorologist can stand up and tell you it's moving at you 55 mile an hour. Did I get that out? <laughs> now, next time that you're having a storm and you're watching the meteorologist, you can understand there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes that most of us aren't aware of. But because it's the treasure of man to search out these things of God, we are able, through the smartness of man that's, that's given to us through God, we have a, a Doppler radar, and therefore we can turn on a TV that's also going through satellites way out there and pinging back to give us an understanding that there's a tornado headed your way, and if you stand out there in the yard and that tornado blows you away, don't blame God. Now, I said all that, and it's a pet peeve of mine. When they started this stuff with Hurricane Katrina, when they started blaming Hurricane Katrina on George W. Bush, how I'm, I, was, I was told by our pastor, and he's watching me right now, not to say stupid. So I didn't say stupid. I said highly deceived. That people can be... When you give them, because we know by radar that there's a hurricane coming, it's coming straight at you, it's fixing to tear you up, and you stand there and get blown away, and then you want to blame the President of the United States for you being deceived enough to stand there and get blown away by a hurricane, and then they're going to go vote? I didn't mean to say that. Yeah, I did. Ooh, I just got worked up. I said I wasn't going to preach this, but sort of did. All right, I'm starting to run out of time. Uh, Rob, you're going to give me five more minutes, right? Uh, since this ain't working, I'm going to jump on to uh, John, John 1, 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. That means that's Jesus, right? And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him, anything was made. In other words, Jesus Christ is the one that has made everything, including the physics that we just, what little bit we talked about. He is the creator and the maker of all things. He's the voice that said, let there be. He's also going to be the voice. He's going to be the thundering of the voice that comes out like a, a sharp two-edged sword that's going to stop 
time. 1 John 3, 2 said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. In other words, if you've been born again, you are now the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. In other words, they hadn't understood the physics of it yet. We still don't understand the physics of it because in ten dimensions, we only know of four of those dimensions. We don't know the other dimensions. They're unknowable because they're unmeasurable. But we know they happen because Jesus has already been resurrected to that perfect body and that he has already demonstrated those ten dimensions by passing through the wall with a massive body. Y'all with me? And he's saying, John is saying, although we do not know yet appear what it shall be. That's what he's talking about. Because he goes on and says, but we do know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We are going to be translated into those physics. And it don't matter whether you believe it or not. If you sit out there and say, this idiot right here has told us a bunch of something that I ain't got a clue about what he's talking about. It don't matter if we know. All we do know is that we will be like him. And we will be part of those dimensions. And all I can say is I think it's going to be lovely. I've always wanted to walk through a wall. And then probably turn around and walk back through it and say, ha-ha. Right? Think about it. In Revelation 22, 13, this is Jesus speaking. This is at the end of the Bible, if you will. Speaking of the end of what we consider time. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The first and the last. We read the scripture before. We're going to read it again. John 7, 6. Then Jesus said to him, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. In other words, Jesus is saying, His time has not been fulfilled because He is the one who fulfills time. We have got a bare minimum on this earth as we know it. A thousand and seven years left of this earth as we know it. I don't know how long that time frame, how much more of it is going to be. Who knows, right? But I do know by the Word of God that teaches us that there's a beginning and an end, that there will be an end, and Jesus is the one that ends it. And then after that will be what we call eternity, and then we have no time. In other words, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth and a new uh, Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. That is what we call eternity. That's where we will live for eternity. It's not going to be floating around on some cloud up there with some angel feeding you grapes. Is that what you think? You've got a rude awakening. We're going to have stuff to do. We've got eternity to handle on a new earth and a new heaven and a new holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. And that heaven and that new earth is going to be the perfect earth. And he said there will be no more need for a sun, moon, or stars. Why is that? Because time is not going to matter. Time will be have come to an end. There will be no sun. We won't be evolving around a sun. There won't be no moon. There won't be no moon that revolves around us for our gravitational pull. And there won't be no acceleration because we'll be there. Time won't matter. Time will be done. No sun. Why? 
because the glory of God will be the illumination of eternity. You know what that means, folks? Look down at you right now. Look at the shadows. There will be no shadow in heaven. Why? Because the glory of God is everywhere. There'll be no shadows. Folks, that's amazing. But there's only one way to be there. And the other part of that verse says, your time is always ready. When is your time? Your time's now. So I'm going to do this right quick because I'm running out of time. I'm going to do it right quick. If you're here this morning, whatever had bowed, never eye closed, if you're here this morning, you've never been born again. Jesus tells us, your time is now. This is your time because time will end. Your time will end. We never know that day or that hour. My time might go away this afternoon. Who knows? We never know. But right now is your time. And if you'd like to be born again, if you've never been born again, this is your time. And if you would like to do that, I'd like for you to lift your hand. Just lift your hand this morning. If, and if there's anyone here uh, that would like to, we have uh, uh, ushers that will give you a salvation packet. Uh, if you're online uh, with us this morning and, uh, and you'd like to be born again, there's a link to click on to raise your hand. And uh, uh, our online uh, pastors will be with you. Uh, with that so we would just like to give you that opportunity this morning so everyone with me this morning if you raise your hand with everyone uh, repeating after me let's pray this prayer so dear Lord we would like to thank you for your for your spirit and for your uh, plan of redemption we'd like to thank you for this time and we want to ask you to enter into our heart be my Lord And we would like to thank you for what you've done for us on that cross as you died for me and arose again on the third day that I believe that you are the Son of God. You are my Redeemer. Come into my life and be my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.